0: (laughs) Sit down, (laughs) sit down. I do want you to do something for me though. Um, My name is Pastor Rashad Cunningham. Actually, it's just Rashad Cunningham, to be honest with you, but I am one of the pastors here officially now, so I'm super excited about that, Um, really excited about that. I do this thing, and this is kind of how I flow. It's not for me. I want to make sure you're in the room, and you're attentive, and you're ready for the Word of God. It's just like an energy builder for myself, so I'm going to say good morning, Mercy Road, and I want you to say good morning, Rashad, R-A-S-H-A-D. Rashad not radish not Rashard and all the other names that could come out just Rashad it's not for me I really just want to make sure that you're energized and you're ready to hear the word of God good morning mercy row you see there's like half the people in the first service and they were louder than you so I know you can do better I want to know that you're here in the room good morning mercy row we'll work on that we got all year all right so check this out um I went to Josh in, in October when we were thinking about this and we were when we were praying about all of this, and I said, man... Um I want to preach the first sermon of the year because I'm the type that just likes to jump in. Is, is anybody else like a jump in type that just likes to jump in that like I learned to swim by jumping in the deep end? I just jumped in. I'm the jump in type so I didn't realize all the emotions that would be going on right now and I probably should have waited but I jumped in. That's just who I am. And it's similar to like when I first started driving out here in the Carmel area because I haven't been out here since I used to work out here years ago and all the crazy roundabouts that they have out here. And there's this one I don't know where it's at specifically. I'm still new to the area, but it's like a figure eight that was never completed. It like, it starts and then it goes into a highway or something. And, and so I, I pulled up and, and the girls, my wife, Brittany and Genesis, Brittany and Genesis, no, my wife, Brittany and my daughter, Genesis, they're like, kick them out now. Right? <laughs> I, I saw the sign and it looked like this figure eight That was not completed, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it, and I just pulled out. I'm probably the people that you complain about when you're out here. That's me. That's me, and I was not ready at all. I ended up doing like 20 to try to get around. I was swerving, and I made it home, thank God, but it's funny how when you're not ready for the ride, all the the tension and all the fear and all the things that happen when you just jump into something, and so this sermon uh, is like a standalone sermon to kind of introduce my heart introduce myself. You see, we can title me whatever, but if we truly believe God has called me here and entrusted me with your souls, then we have to get to know each other and we have to get to trust each other. And we can't just say, I'm your pastor. That will be earned as God continues to work on my heart, your hearts, and creates this oneness over time, right? So today I have one question. Are you ready for the ride? Because I'm a roller coaster, y'all. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And I want you to know some things about me. When I preach, because I tend to not use notes, it kind of cuts my time. If I was to read all my notes, it gets real nasty and ugly up here. But I, I tend to just try to flow from the heart. And so I use acronyms a lot. You will get tired of my acronyms, but it's the way I flow. And I use alliteration a lot. Because it helps me flow through the passages, how God has kind of designed me. So, for my first sermon, you have an acronym that's going to be broke down in alliterations. I figured, just let them get to know me right off the bat, right? So, are you ready for the ride? We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. And I'm going to give a little bit of context of how we got to Acts chapter 8 so that you just kind of know what's going on. Um, in Acts, this is it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus to heaven. Um, in Acts 1-8 specifically, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, in all the ends of the earth. And this becomes like the outline for the book of Acts, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. If you read it, you just kind of like the flow of it. And so the church explodes in Jerusalem. There's 3000 saved in one day. God keeps adding to their numbers with more prob, I mean with more people, there's more problems. And so by the time you get to Acts chapter 6, we got some drama sis, right? We got the the Hebrew women are being treated better than the Greek women. And so there's a there's like Like division in the church. Like, hey, why are they treating our women less or our widows less than they are the Hebrew ones? And so they raise up some men, uh, Stephen and Philip. And Philip is who we're gonna be talking about today. Well, Stephen preaches this sermon, preaches this message among people to the point that he gets killed. And you can read all of this for yourself. I'm just trying to catch you up here. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 8, the church is dispersed because of the persecution. There are people killing Christians because of Jesus Christ. And so because of this persecution, it actually forces them out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria just like Jesus Christ said. Philip goes to Samaria, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and people are coming to Jesus by the thousands. It's a successful ministry, and and when it's done, the Spirit calls Philip to go to this random road that's on its way to a place called Gaza, and that's where we pick up. Philip, after having this successful ministry, is called to this this weird ministry this unique ministry and we're going to we're going to talk about this i'm gonna, i'm going to introduce myself and i'm going to talk about like the ride that i'm talking about and asking are you ready for so acts 8 verse 26 here we go but an angel of the lord spoke to philip saying get up and go south to the road that descends from jerusalem to gaza this is a desert road so he got up and he went And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. We're just going to start right there. The first R, the first letter is, are you ready for the road of reconciliation? Are you ready for the road of reconciliation, when you look at the text and it says that this was a desert road, some of your texts may say this was a desert place, uh, scholars argue, was it a desert road that Philip was called to or was it a desert place? And I'm sitting back like, who cares if it was a desert road or a desert place? Because Philip wasn't called to a place, he was called to a person. In the same way, I wasn't called to Mercy Road, the building, I'm called to Mercy Road, the body, Right? And so it doesn't matter if it was the road or if it was the place. He was called to the person, right? He wasn't called to the situation. He was called to the soul. And so why does that matter? Because this is our ministry. Anybody here who is a believer has been given a ministry of reconciliation. You've been called to reconcile people back to God. That is your first ministry, That is your first man. That's the first thing that God wants you to do. And the word reconciliation is a really neat word. It's, It's a word of currency, like money. See, when I went to India last year, my American dollars had no power in India. I had to reconcile my American dollars and turn them into rupees. And so what happens is when you have a currency uh, from your kingdom or from your country, and you go into another kingdom or another country with that currency, you have to exchange it for the correct currency. This is what reconciliation meant in its original text. And so think about this. Second Corinthians helps us with this. Second Corinthians says, "Now all uh, excuse me, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of." reconciliation. It goes on. It says, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or their incorrect currency against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Check this out. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We begged you on behalf of Christ to be what? Reconciled to God. He goes on. He says, he made him who knew no sin. In other words, the currency of Jesus was already correct for the kingdom. He knew no sin. That's the correct currency. It's called the righteousness of God. That's how you operate in the kingdom of heaven. That's what you need to enter the kingdom of heaven. You need the righteousness of God. But God made him who had the correct currency who, who had the righteousness of God to take our incorrect currency right you see that he made him who knew no sin to uh, yep there it is he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ so this is the beauty of reconciliation and this is why I'm asking you are you ready for this road because what happens is this this is what happens in reconciliation, you have the incorrect currency. So when you enter the country, you have to initiate the exchange. But God, but God looks at you and doesn't wait for you to initiate the exchange. He initiated it in Christ. You had the incorrect, the incorrect currency. It's your responsibility to initiate the reconciliation. But God flips this up on his head and says, no, no, no. I will initiate the reconciliation. And so I'm asking you, are you ready for that road? Because once again, this is what happens. Amen. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Because look at this. This is what happens. This is what happens. It doesn't matter what road he calls you to. He's not calling you to the place. He's calling you to the person. And if you ain't catching it, let me make it even more simple for you. There's a road of adultery that somebody's on. There's a road of addiction. A road of homosexuality. A road of gluttony, a road of insert whatever sin it is that is keeping somebody from God, and God is calling us to get out of this building and get on those roads with those people. Are you ready for that? Yeah. And if you're here, if you're here, and perhaps you're here because it's a New Year's resolution, perhaps you lost a game on New Year's Eve and your, your Christian friend tricked you and got you to come to church. Like like perhaps that's why you're here. And that's why you're here. But but look at this. This should be beautiful for you. Because I don't know about you, but when I used to go to church before I knew Christ, I ain't trying to be in here with y'all, looking at me all funny, staring me up and down. Mm -hmm. I ain't trying to be in here with y'all because I feel like I'm less or I don't fit or I don't whatever. But when I hear this, when I hear the word of God, it tells me that it's your responsibility, believer, to meet me on my road, no matter what that road is. We got this saying here at Mercy Road. I'm still learning them. I I hope that's why Josh did the introduction because I'm not good at that stuff yet. But there's a saying I've heard over the months. It says, "You are never too far to be passionately discipled to Jesus." That means no matter what road you are on, we believe it's in the DNA here that you're not too far for me to go to your road, whatever road you're on, and meet you where you're at. That's what that means. I don't want to just say it because it sounds good and it sounds cute. I want to live it. And I live it by listening to the Spirit and going to the roads, the roads that you're at. Depression, loneliness, your singleness, all, the, all these different roads that you're on. It's our responsibility to get out of the church and go to those roads and meet them there. Are you ready for the road of reconciliation? Because this is what Philip did, and this is what happens. This is the beautiful part about it. When, when you reconcile people back to God, all the other reconciliations fall in place. You don't have to worry. Like, we, we, last year there was a big thing about racial reconciliation, right? And as a black man, I appreciate that. But let me tell you something. If you reconcile people back to God, I've seen success of, of, of reconciling rich and poor, black and white, educated and uneducated. When I reconcile re- them back to God, I reconcile them back to each other. That's how it works. I mean, think about this, right? The eunuch was Ethiopian. That's a different race. He was rich. He was reading the scriptures, right? You don't just have a scripture back then. That's like having a PS5 today, right? You don't just have a scripture unless you got some kind of money. So he has some money. So he's rich. That's a social, I mean, that's a socioeconomic type thing. He's educated because he's Ethiopian. He's probably reading the Greek version of the Old Testament. So he's at least bilingual, right? He's in a chariot, balling, (laughs) shot-calling, right? And he's second to the queen, Candace, which is her her title, not her name. And and Philip, who's probably a nobody, has no platform, probably broke because he's on the run. They both need the same Jesus. They both need the same Savior. And so all those differences that make us different are reconciled when we reconcile to God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's in him that barriers are broken. Do y'all understand that's the only reason I'm allowed to preach here is because of what Jesus has done? You don't bring a black dude out here to predominantly white caramel and have him up in some Jordans in a hoodie preaching to a predominantly white church. You don't do that unless Jesus is present. That's how this works. And so are you ready for that road, that road of reconciliation? It goes on. It goes on. There's more. Like, wait, there's more, right? Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Are you ready for the invitation to intimacy? The invitation to intimacy. And this is two-part, right? So for the believers, are you ready to invest? The Bible says that the Spirit told Philip to go up or come alongside the chariot or attach himself to the chariot, to walk alongside the chariot. To invest. And the question was an investment. Do you understand what you're reading? Now remember, he's coming back from this religious experience. He just went to Jerusalem for this festival, this, 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 um, this prayer festival, some, some type of, it's probably like Pentecost or the Atonement or something. It's some festival. It doesn't tell us what or when, right? But he's on his way back from that festival. And he still doesn't have this reconciliation, but he's reading his Bible. He's searching. Hearts are being prepared. And the Spirit tells Philip, hey, go up alongside that stranger on this road that you've been called to and and attach yourself to the chariot, or rather, attach yourself to the person and ask them an investment question. Do you know what you're reading? Now, the Bible says that he was reading, so we know he can read. It's not that he can't read. He's reading. But the question is, do you know how to respond to what you're reading? And this is crazy because look at how we do church in America. You come to the religious experience. You hear somebody preach, and somebody like me, I'll be like, go home and read it for yourself. So you go home and you read it for yourself, and you're like, okay, I read it, but there's no one to guide me. How do I? And so so it takes us being willing to be with somebody more than just Sunday, willing to invest and attach to their chariot past Sunday so that we can actually get intimate with them, right? But we don't do that. We're satisfied with Sunday. Brother, you, you think we got rooted in and, and, and huddles and outposts just to have busy work? We want you to get attached to one another. We want you to have intimacy with one another. We want to put you, we want to give you reasons to be in each other's lives more and more and more. I, I, I prayed, me and my wife prayed, please give us people to attach to more than anything else. Because that's when the work starts happening. But on the flip side, maybe you're here and you're the one in the chariot. And and, and see, that intimacy takes vulnerability and transparency. I remember back in the day, before I knew Christ, they was like, hey, have you read the Gospels? I was like, read them? I was like, you're talking about that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I thought those were four white brothers trying to be like the Temptations, called themselves the Gospels. Right? And you laugh, but how could I know, sis, if there's no one to guide me? If there's nobody to tell me, how do I know that the Gospels were not a singing group, a quartet? And this is real. This is really what I thought. I didn't know any better because there was no one to guide me. But I had to humble myself and admit that I didn't know that. See, they they was like, did you know the gospel?" I was like, yeah, bro, I know the Gospels. I heard that song. They're like, what song? I'm like, oh, they're not singers? No, they're books of the Bible. Oh, let me humble myself. No, I don't know what you're talking about. But sometimes we get caught up in the, like, the pride of life, right? And we're not willing to humble ourselves before one another and say, I need you. I need you. And, and so are you ready for that invitation to intimacy to either put yourself in, in an investing position to get invited or to invite? Because, because intimacy is information. True intimacy is information. The Bible shows us this in 1 Corinthians 2. Look at this real quick. It says, for who among men knows the thought of men except the spirit of the man which is in him? So I don't know. what you, you could be thinking right now, this guy is on 10. Whoa. I don't know unless you tell me after church, bro, you was on 10. Whoa. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. So how do we know? This is how it happens. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. In other words, you don't know God unless he reveals himself through information. Unless he reveals himself through, you, to, through his spirit, to you through his spirit. Intimacy is information. And so this is what I say. I say, stop Stop being focused on inviting people to church and start getting invited into their chariots. This this is what it looks like. Like, I love church. I love Sundays. I love preaching. I love people. I love the gathering. But this is not the end goal. You know, you being in this seat is not the end goal. The, The eunuch went to the religious experience, but there was nobody in the chariot when he left. The end goal is the kingdom, and we can't get people to the kingdom without intimacy. So stop being focused on just getting your friend to church and get in your friend's chariot. Get them to invite you into the vulnerability and the places of brokenness in their life so that you can show them Jesus and restore them to wholeness through the gospel message. This is what it looks like to be on fire, to be on mission. How can we go reach a million people if we're not willing to get in a million chariots? But there's more. <laughs> the Bible the, the Bible says the Bible says um, that the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. It's Isaiah 53. He says, He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate this generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me. Of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? I mean, how would I know? I don't know who he's talking about. Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about somebody else? He's searching. then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. The D in ride is the direction of discipleship. It's always Jesus. The direction of discipleship is always Jesus. I'm not trying to disciple you to be, a, to be like me or to be like anybody in here or to be a great member of Mercy I'm trying to disciple you to look more and more like Jesus Christ. From that scripture, he opened it up and he started preaching Jesus. He didn't preach any of this other stuff. He preached Jesus. Because how will you obey somebody that you don't call Lord to begin with? We keep trying to preach obedience. Obedience to Who? If you don't tell me who and why I need to surrender my life to this man, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There's no obedience to be had because I'm still the Lord of my life. He preached, Jesus. The journey is always to Jesus. I'm a DJ. I'm a DJ. I, I know it's like, what? Where- where'd that come from? I'm going somewhere with this. I'm a DJ. I do weddings. Uh, by the way, can we give it up for the barbers over there? Like they got married. I don't know if y'all know them. It just hit me. I just saw you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, Hey, bro, like, ah. Anyway, they just got married. I'm sorry. If if y'all do a reception, I'm I'm a DJ, okay? I'm a DJ. All right. And so what happens is when I DJ, I always get to that part of the wedding where I got to play the cha-cha slide, right? Or excuse me, no, no, the Cupid Shuffle. We're going to do a Cupid Shuffle. To the right, to the right, right? And there's always a guy or girl who has requested the song, and they sat the entire reception waiting on me to play their song, right? Okay, so I'm DJing, and I'm like, all right, here it comes. Boom. And I start playing it. And everybody comes to the dance floor and they're ready. Y'all know, y'all been to weddings, right? Even if you don't know how to do it, you watched it, right? And so as a DJ, you got to be creative. And so towards the end of the song, I always play another beat so I can make the song go further. And then I just kind of repeat the words over and over. Well, that one person is like, oh, oh. That's my song. And I'm like, I'm still playing the song It's to a new beat. They're like, no, no, I asked you to play my song. I waited all night for this song, and you just cut it off. I'm like, no, no, I'm playing the song. The words are still the same. The commands are still the same. The beat is different. To the right, to the right, to the left, to the left, kick, 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 walk it out, right? (laughs) Like, it hasn't changed no matter what. No matter what, the words hasn't changed. So if you just do what the word says, it's gonna remain. You're to you still dancing to the song. Man, let me tell you something about Jesus. Whether you're in Hamilton County or you in Hallville, the word doesn't change. The word doesn't change. Repent, believe. He died for your sins. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. I don't care the tempo, the genre, the beat, the culture, the ethnicity, how much money you make, how much money you don't make. The Word hasn't changed. So the journey is always the Jesus. I'm comfortable on any road God calls me to. I'm going to keep Cupid shuffling spiritually, whatever that looks like. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I, I'm going to do it, whatever it is, right? And so are you ready for the direction of discipleship? that no matter who you're in front of, you're called to reconcile and to get intimate and then to direct them to Jesus. Because when you do that, you'll have an experience and some expectations. There's my E. Are you ready for the experience and the expectations? I want you to see this here. This is where it gets personal for me. As they were going along the road, verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. Azotus, excuse me, and... As he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. And so this is where I kind of step away. And I just want to wanna let you in to what I'm feeling this morning and why I'm nervous. Some of you saw my Facebook page. I was nervous. I, I don't mean like preaching. Like, I'm not preaching nervous. I'm family nervous. This is new. This is new. You see, as a young minister, I was, I was saved in 2011. And um, by 2012, I'm preaching my first sermon, and, and there's some things that some people who loved me, they truly loved me, start telling me, hey, man, without a degree of some sort, some kind of doctorate or some kind of paper, they're not going to let you preach at a church like this, Spe- specifically, predominantly white church in a Carmel-type area. you got to have a certain degree. Plus, man, you got to dress a certain way. You can't wear hoodies and Jordans and do that. For the eunuch, it would have been more like this. Hey, as somebody who's missing your male member, Deuteronomy 23 says that you're not allowed in this temple that you just traveled miles to get to to worship God. You can't come in. You're not allowed in. And even if the word eunuch, some people say that the word eunuch there is not necessarily a true eunuch, but just a, a servant of, the, of, of uh, Candace, of the queen. Well, he's still not a Jew. So if he can come in, imagine coming all the way here to Mercy Road, getting in and saying, you can't come into this part. You got to stay in the foyer because there's this dividing wall between Jew and Gentile but now there's this man named Philip who doesn't even know him, who's a stranger, who's been invited into his chariot. And Philip says, bro, you don't have to worry about getting invited into the temple. God wants to invite the temple into you. This is my journey, y'all. You see, this is an experience that changes life. When people tell you That you're not going to be allowed in this room, on this stage, with these people, because of your skin color, because of your education level, because of all these things that the world says no, but God says, ha ha, they forgot about the but God part shot. You just walk in what I called you to. And so this is an experience that changes your life. Can you imagine the eunuch saying, what do you mean? He wants to put the temple in me? What do you mean I can have salvation through Jesus Christ? Look, there's water. I was looking, right? Like right there. (laughs) There's water. What's to keep me from being baptized right now? He said, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, nothing. This is life-changing. This is a life-changing experience, and this is why we're here this morning. This is why we're here this morning. I came out here, and all I could think about were the people in this room who are here for a New Year's resolution and not ready for their life to be changed, and I said, Father, give me a message to change a life. The same message that changed mine. want pause? Okay, I gotta keep going, I gotta keep going. All right, thank you, thank you. No, but look, but look, but look. So the experience, right? Are you ready for that experience? If you're here and you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, look at me. Go talk to my wife. Go talk to my daughter. I'm not, I'm not manufacturing this. My history, my history is, is, is so wicked. To be up here should be illegal. But God broke all of those boundaries and has placed me here for you in this room right now, thinking you're too far away, thinking that you got too many addictions or that you can't get right. Let me tell you something. You can't get right. Jesus got right for you. That's real. And to those of you who are here who already know Jesus, don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part? I want to go in the water with somebody because somebody went in the water with me. If you've really tasted eternity, it tastes good. You ever had Blaze Pizza? It tastes good. As soon as we had Blaze Pizza, I told everybody, man, they got this pizza place in Carmel? It's called Blaze Pizza. I've never tasted nothing like it. And I went and told everybody else about it. That's what it feels like when you taste Jesus. When you taste Jesus, you want to tell everybody else about what he tastes like. You should be jumping out of your seats. You should be running through walls. There should be a silhouette of you running through the wall because you can't wait to get out there and go find somebody on their road, get intimate, and direct them to Jesus for this experience. But this is what happens. The Bible says when they came up out the water, and we can get into this some other time, but Philip was caught up and taken away. There's a couple ways you can respond to that. The eunuch comes about the water, and Philip's not there. The one who just led him to Jesus, the one who just had this intimate relationship with him to Jesus, is not there anymore. But the Bible says he was still rejoicing. In other words, he wasn't attached to the person. He was attached to the presence. He wasn't attached to the worker. He was attached to the work, right? He was, attached to, he was attached to the word. I mean, like, he got up and he was still rejoicing. He didn't need the preacher, the person. He didn't need the vessel. He just needed the voice. This, this, is, what, this is the expectation of the believer, that when I'm here preaching, you don't get attached to me or Josh or Davy or Kathy or Shalon. You don't get attached to the person. We're here on mission. We're here doing work, not for you to get more and more attached to us or to this building, but attached to Jesus, Jesus and it hits it hits when you think about it because every time I do like a funeral people want me to tell people they're like hey tell them if they want to see grandpa again they need to believe in Jesus I'm like no no if they want to see Jesus they need to believe in Jesus if grandpa ain't there heaven's still heaven because Jesus is there what are you attached to but finally on the believer side Philip's caught up and caught away and then he goes on and he's preaching more and more. And he goes to Caesarea and he's still preaching. Sometimes we get caught up and we get attached to experience as believers. Hey, we had 20, 20 people baptized. And we tell that story over and over and over as if there's not more work to do, or there's not more people to baptize. And think about this. Like, anybody know Al Bundy, right? Like Al Bundy was like, he's a shoe salesman, but all he talks about is what happened in high school on the football field when he was captain of the football team. It's like, bro, that was high school. Right? And my wife gets on my case because I went to India last year and like literally January of last year. But in December of last year, I'm on the phone like, yeah, man, I just got back from India. She's like, Rashad, it's been a year. And I'm like, yeah, it feels like it was. You can't get caught up in the experience because there's more work to do. And so that's the ride. Right? The road of reconciliation that you're called to go to or maybe that you're on and called to to look for those who who are around you. The, the invitation to intimacy, right? Investing and in getting invited into somebody's chariot. The direction of discipleship, which is always Jesus. It doesn't change. And finally, the, expect, the, the experience and the expectation. Make more disciples. This is what I'm here for. And this is, this is what God has called me here for. It's, it's to live this out in front of you and with you. And I'm going to tell you something. I can come here and I can come to this road and I can meet you on the road. But if you don't invite me in... There's no intimacy, and we can't continue to work. So I'm, I'm asking that you invite me in and invite others in, because I can only get into so many chariots. It's for all of us to do. This is a work for all of us. And I pray, I pray that you hear me this morning, that this isn't just a sermon that goes in one ear and out the other. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Oh, Father, I thank you for the continued privilege and opportunities to to minister to the souls that you have brought in through these doors here at Mercy Road. Father, I thank you for this new beginning. And Father, I pray that you start a new beginning in some of the hearts and the souls that are in this room. Father, whether we believe or don't believe, right now you can do a work that will put us on a path so that we can enjoy this ride. Father, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Father, help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit as it calls for us to go into the uncomfortable places of the world, the uncomfortable places of this city, maybe just the uncomfortable places in, our, in, our, in the areas we work at, Father. Just, just let us be sensitive to all the different roads that are around us. And Father, if there's somebody here under the sound of my voice who is on a road that they feel like is far too far away for you to do your work or for you to send somebody... Father, may we break that today. May we break that thought today. May somebody hug or or touch or just speak or just introduce themselves and let them know that wherever they're at, we're here and we're ready to hop into those chariots. Father, help us to just surrender to all you've called us to be, all you've called us to do. Father, help us just build our life on your love. The Bible says that the love of Christ controls us. Let us be compelled to do the impossible as we allow you to do it through us. Father, I'm ready for the ride, and I pray that you continue to give me favor with the hearts and souls that you've entrusted me with so that they will ride with me. Let us choose you and your son above all. It's in your precious son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen.